And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, listener. I'm Carl Anker, and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, Manchester United are victorious. Again, this time over Liverpool in the FA Cup. We're going to analyse the continued improvement in United's performances, whether 21 and 21 truly is on, and we're going to be going over some comments from Athletic subscribers as to whether their opinion has changed on Oli Gold and Solskjaer. As ever, when you speak of the devil, these two wonderful pundits will appear. I am joined by Laurie Whitwell, my fellow United beat writer. Laurie, how are you doing? How was your Sunday? I'm doing good, Carl. Yeah, Sunday was good. Obviously, watched the game yesterday. Um, you were there at Trafford Forest, weren't you? So I was able to stay in the, the warmth of my own home and um, see Alan Shearer and Ian Wright discuss the game. And yeah, really good mood because I think it was a big win for United. You know, one of those matches that felt like a, a moment to be seized and, and they actually went and did it. It's beginning to feel like a statement victory. Uh, I'm going to greet my other guest here. I gave him a little socially distanced elbow before kickoff at Old Trafford on Sunday. It's Mr. Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you doing? Hi, Carl. I'm fine. I'm, the adrenaline's just wearing off sort of 24 hours after the game and I'm not even a player. I really enjoyed the game of football. I enjoyed it more because Manchester United won and you said a statement. I think it was. United have beaten the reigning champions and came back and there's some great goals there's some great performances and we're going to talk all about it so I think there's maybe three or four times in a good season where you get the high that I'm feeling now and it's just starting to wear off because I've had no I've had like four hours sleep but yeah all good mate my wife said oh United won did they <laughs> uh, I spotted Andy in the press in a section close to the press box before kickoff and he was having a conversation with Darren Fletcher so I sort of waited for that conversation to finish before I went over to speak to him uh, and you woke up at four o'clock this morning to catch a flight I love asking you whereabouts in the world you are but you've been about recently haven't you I have mate I woke up at 3 40 and I had to get to Heathrow I left plenty of time but the M6 was closed and that was like a disaster for me Maybe not a disaster in the current climate of what's going on in the world, but everything's relative to your own circumstances. The roads were dangerous. They were full of snow. And I sat panicking near limb services thinking, what am I going to do? There's no flights anymore. There's normally 20 flights a day between Barcelona and London, and now there's one every four days. The checks are really stringent, which is good. I had a COVID test on Friday at 5pm. I had one on Saturday at 5pm, which is all good. I don't mind doing that. I'm able to, to do my job properly. And... One minute to five and the M6 opened and I just drove onto this empty motorway and headed south and life was wonderful. I rolled into Heathrow and the lady said, we've just closed your flight. And I said, but I, it's in one hour. She went, no, it's not. It's 58 minutes. And I said, please, please. And she said, right, get all your documentation out, which now for people who haven't been traveling, it is a considerable amount of documentation. Anyway, seat 14A, okay, sir? Too right it is. Get straight through. You've got nine minutes to get through security. Exhausted but buzzing. Got on the flight. Exhausted but buzzing is probably a really good way to sum up Manchester United. And probably a good way to sum up the way they play right now. Sort of 
Get him through it by the skin of their teeth and a little bit of charm and cleverness. United beat Liverpool 3-2. It was really fun. I was wearing two face masks in Old Trafford, but I was grinning from ear to ear, and I might have done a big fist pump when Bruno Fernandes scored. Laurie, you were watching on television. What did you think? I agree with you, Carl. I think it was a really uh, entertaining game. And I, I sort of said, I wonder if this game, because we had the Anfield game where it felt a little bit flat ultimately, even though it was a sort of decent performance and maybe was it a missed opportunity. I, I sort of felt it was. And I wondered what they would approach this game like. Had United playing smartly against Liverpool, trying to find ways to combat the different threats that they had, but in a very front foot manner, really attacking um, every chance they got. Some of the first half moves where they, where they put it together, certainly down the left, where I think Rashford was imperious um, all game. Uh, you know, they, they they were really entertaining to watch. Um, I think they they utilised. It felt like Liverpool wanted to. You know, they've had a difficulty, haven't they, in scoring goals recently, and they, and they decided clearly to, you know, go on the offensive themselves. So you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson both bombing forward and trying to overload United in the wide areas. But that allowed the space then for United to counterpunch, and, and Rashford often would just sort of occupy that space and wait for the for the ball to come his way, and and way we go. And I think it was a smart by United. Obviously, it was a risky one. You know, Liverpool could have scored in those moments, and it, it depended on. Scott McTominay doing some really good defensive work. Obviously, Paul Pogba as well. Um, you know, the tackle that he put in for Mason Greenwood goal was another indication that he's you know doing both parts of the game really well at present. And the way they took the goals was impressive. You know, the finishes um, and, and clearly then you know break the emergency glass. Bruno Fernandez comes on and scores a peach for free kick. Um, but I think it was it was a just victory. I know that Liverpool had their moments. Mo Salah could have scored a hat trick, couldn't he? But I think that's the way that United fans want United to play. And clearly they've got enough firepower at the moment to outgun any team. You know, if, if it's Liverpool, you know, that, all, all for the better. I know that they were a little bit, um, you know, on, on defensively with Reese Williams, come young lad, you know, difficult game for him. Um, and, and clearly, you know, if Virgil van Dijk had been playing there, it, it might have been a different story. I just felt that this was a performance where United said, no, we are a, a good team ourselves. This is what we're going to do. They didn't shrink back into themselves. You know, they went for the win in normal time. And um, yes, yeah, so that's why I just think it was a statement when obviously it's his United's first win over Liverpool for a few years, Solskjaer's first um, victory over Klopp in that sense. And, um, you know, he's got a, a decent list of managers that he's now beaten. So I think that's why it felt, you know, significant, even though it's you know, FA Cup fourth round, nothing won yet and plenty more, you know, matches to go in that competition, let alone, you know, the Premier League. But it, it just felt like a, a bit of a shift in the dynamic between the two clubs. There was a palpable momentum shift in that game multiple times. United, the wide men of Rashford and Mason Greenwood stayed wide as a, as they did previously against Fulham. Uh, Andy, you were in Old Trafford with me. Did you contribute to the round of applause that went to Mason Greenwood's opening goal? I'm a professional journalist and had to cover both teams objectively. I was, however, distracted when I looked to my right to see Darren Fletcher jumping up and bouncing around and privately thinking this is absolutely fantastic, that it means a lot to him. Clearly, he's doing a job. He's, he's looking at the game from a different perspective at the back of the stand. And I agree with a lot of what Laurie said and some of the little bits he picked out, such as Paul Pogba's defensive duty, which led to, to that first goal. Rashford's pass was on the near side, close to where we were. Don't think we'll see a better pass. I think in the space of a few days, we've seen Pogba's goal at, at Fulham and Rashford's pass. But I didn't expect United to win. If I'm honest, I still felt that 
when it came to it, when one of the teams had to go through, Liverpool had more experience, they are the champions. I thought they can't be this bad, they can't continue to keep on losing. And when they went ahead and it was a superb finish, which and the ball split Lindelof and Shaw, and they're probably both a little bit frustrated about that. I thought, here we go, we've had a good run here. And so I was doubly delighted that United came back from it, not just because they scored the goals, but some of the football that they played. And I spoke again to Darren Fletcher at half time, and he knows more about football than I do. So I listen to what he says, in, just in terms of the tactics. If he wants to ask me about fan culture, I'll have him all day long. But he would see things in Cavani or in Van der Beek that I can't see because he's a professionally qualified UEFA license coach who's, who's just a geek for absorbing all of this stuff. And it was a it was a positive outlook. Now I can see that myself. And then United in the second half were worthy of victory. Liverpool at the moment. I missed, I think it was Andrew Robertson screaming. I thought <laughs> if, if Liverpool, I only saw it back on TV. I thought, if Liverpool is, yeah, but if Liverpool are resorting to screaming at players to distract him, we've got him here. We really have. We're on one. And you can see that, there's a, that Cavani's added a bit to it. That a couple of the weaker players have been moved on. It's coming together and United still haven't won anything, but this team is improving. And you beat Liverpool, the league champions, and only missing a couple of players. That is a really, really impressive uh, victory. The week before, when Laurie said it was a bit flat, you sense both teams perhaps would have settled for that draw. There had to be a win yesterday, so they both had to change their approach for a much more open and hugely entertaining game. Did you enjoy it, Carl? I really enjoyed it. I, I was not as... Uh objective and neutral as you were in the press box i must say i did get, shout good boy when uh greenwood finished and i did give a clap <laughs> to marcus rashford's finish as well although uh, i'm a little bit biased whenever marcus rashford does something brilliant there um i truly enjoy that game i think there were some fantastic performances not only from mason greenwood and marcus rashford i think edison cavani's movement was fantastic he more or less led a counter-attack by himself after winning the ball uh it's very strange to think a uh, striker of Cavani's, I want to call him old, but slightly advanced age is the best at leading the press, but here we are. I think there was another fantastic performance from Paul Pogba. I think Luke Shaw, not only against Liverpool, but again uh, in the game against Fulham midweek was fantastic as well. I think he's added something to United with the corners, uh, even if Harry Maguire and Paul Pogba can't quite get them on target yet. Hmm. Things are getting better, and I did... I really enjoyed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's press conference at the end of the game where he mentioned how this team is getting better layers by layers. I'm going to hold my hands up and say I've not been the most Ole in United fan and journalist, but what I am beginning to appreciate are these new layers Ole is adding to the team. And there are noticeable differences to how this United team are playing now compared to how they're playing at the start of the season where they were constrained by fitness problems and how they were playing during the project restart he's adding new elements he's adding new ways of playing and you can see more so now what they're trying to do are you stuck at home bored of netflix and realize there's a reason people play scrabble only once a year well the athletic are coming to your rescue with the help of our friends at prostate council uk we're going to be putting on 31 football quizzes across february and march to find our most knowledgeable subscriber and of course raise money for a very important cause Prostate Cancer UK help fund life-saving research and provide valuable support and information for men and their partners affected. We'll be encouraging you to donate money on the night for a great cause. We run in quiz for every team we cover, which of course includes Manchester United. 
The winner of each quiz will go through to a grand final at the end of March and it'll be a nice £1,000 available for grabs. And we'll match this donation for Prostate Cancer UK. The quizzes will be hosted by a correspondent for that club or league. So, Manchester United fans, you will have Laurie Whitwell being your host and you'll be able to team up with anyone in your household to play. You can sign up for a 30-day trial for free at The Athletic by going to theathletic.com PCUK to register to play the quiz. That's theathletic.com slash PCUK. Right, should we talk about one player who's in perhaps a little bit of a funk? It's Donny van der Beek. Uh, Laurie, he's in David Ornson's column this Monday. I believe you had a little comment about how Donny's been getting on at Manchester United. Yeah, it's a it's really interesting item from David Ornstein uh, in his column on the fact that Solskjaer had a meeting with him uh, before the Fulham game. Uh, I don't think it was anything you know formal, such, but uh, a sort of sharp um, sort of discussion between the pair of them about where he's at. Uh, what the plans are and, and Van der Beek left that feeling good about you know the situation clearly it's not been ideal since he's joined from Ajax he would have rather played more matches but then again he will always join with the expectation that it would be a rotation system and you know with Bruno Fernandes occupying that number 10 role so you know imperiously I think he understood that he would have to bide his time a little bit I suppose the matches that he's started in he hasn't been able to impose his style on, on the team or rather adapt to United style because he comes from an Ajax system that is pass and move, pass and move. But the meeting between him and uh, Solskjaer, Solskjaer's quite good at making sure that his players are understanding of, of where they're at. And I think that was what the, the meeting did. You know, we'll see in the summer, I suppose, how much more you know games he plays this year. It's probably not a situation that he'd want to extend into a second season, but you know we'll see uh, what the future is with Paul Pogba and, and whether that has an impact on, on how frequently Donny van der Beek plays. Because I think that's probably caught a few people by surprise how good Pogba has been in recent weeks and the fact that really you can't drop him at the moment. He's played all over the pitch and he's played well in, in each of those positions in recent weeks. But I think what the game did do, sort of just remind people, because we, I mean, you and I both, don't we? You know, And I'm sure Andy's got it on Twitter whenever you sort of announce the team for that day and we do our Q&As on The Athletic and you know we, we talk about what the lineup is you get a lot of people asking where's Donny mm-hmm. you know free Donny you know uh, Van der Beek what, what, what's he got to do to get a start and I suppose the match just just reminded people that it isn't like he's going to come in and, and tear everything up and, and, and he, he's like chomping at the bit to, you know, score you know or assist, you know. I think clearly it shows that he needs a little bit of work still. Um, it's just about that frequency, I think, that, you know, he's on a, a perhaps a slightly different one to United players given where he's come from and it'll take time. We've seen with Fred, you know, that it took time for him when he came from Shakhtar Donetsk and Solskjaer's in a good position to encourage those improvements and, and get a sort of unit thinking with his players so I think that was what the meeting was about and um, you know there was that moment wasn't there in the first half where Van der Beek sort of stopped it was a good ball out to on the wing and it was a counter-attack and you're looking at it and there's I think Rashford in the middle maybe and you think a first time cross there is, is what Bruno Fernandes would have done and listen it might not have succeeded it might well have been intercepted and you know goes out for a throw in um, and, and therefore you know keeping hold of the ball and, and, and passing it back as Donny van der Beek did is the, the, you know, the more shrewd move but I think it sort of felt like it took the sting out of United's attack and United ended up losing the ball anyway so you know I would always say why not try that that sort of ball and I think that's probably what Solskjaer wants to see from him so we've had the West Ham game away haven't we where mm-hmm. he got substituted at half time we've had the Everton League Cup game where he came off 
after sort of 60 odd minutes uh, and now this game and in each occasion United haven't been winning and then have gone, have gone on to win the game and I know that's not that's probably a simplistic reading of, of Van der Beek's contribution he's clearly a very talented player and you only have to go back to the opening game of the season when he you know only had you know cameo appearance there and managed to score a goal and, and, and prove influential and the RB Leipzig game when he came on at half time away you know he, he nearly did very well in rescuing a, a pretty desperate situation there so he has had glimpses but in these moments where he's had you know, chances to start and, and to be given the, the mantle of, of being United's creative force, he hasn't quite taken it. And I know you've got some interesting thoughts on that, haven't you, Carl, in terms of, you know, where he's come from with Ajax and what his role in this current squad is? Very much so. I think this will be a piece going out on the Athletic sometime either towards the end of this week or the start of next week. And if you watched him on Sunday, he was in the number 10 position behind Edison Cavani. I think that's his best position. And one thing that stood out to me, other than that chance you mentioned, Laurie, was in the opening five minutes, Van der Beek ran ahead of Cavani and peeled out to the right wing, which is something he did a lot at Ajax, where he would move ahead of, uh, again, slightly older strikers. So in Ajax's case, it was Huntelaar. In United's case, it was Cavani. And he tends to go out to these wide areas so he can do loads of pullbacks. And he went off wide right to take some of the uh, attacking burden of Juan Bissaka. And then Juan Bissaka sort of just tried to play the ball out to him and he just went out immediately for a throw-in. And there, I think sort of sums up the issue Van der Beek has in that he's going to pick up really good positions in the number 10 position. Um, he's going to get into those areas of the pitch where if you can get the ball to him, he can do really interesting things. But I'm not sure if United are going to find him yet. Andy, United have to play Sheffield United in midweek and then Arsenal on a Saturday. Do you think Donny plays and starts either of these games? I said right at the start of the season, I didn't expect him to be a first-team player all the time. Look at the players have gone from Ajax to other big clubs. Frankie de Jong, I watched him play last week. They take time to settle. And the point about Fred taking time is a relevant one. I don't think it's that unusual that a player costs 35, 40 million and, uh, for one of the, the super clubs, if you like, and doesn't go in. I spoke to Mike Feeling about him at the start of the season and he saw him almost as like, another striking option and he liked his versatility but I think it's all about getting players to strengthen the squad to make the squad a deeper squad and he's one of those players but he did all right against Watford I thought he did okay but he started well against uh, Liverpool and faded a little bit and that's why he was brought off the pitch Pogba is clearly a factor I think Pogba will stay if he's happy and he's very happy at the moment and he's playing well he's enjoying his football his confidence is up He's, he's longer over his COVID, which took him a lot longer than he expected. And he's playing in the roles, the more advanced roles, usually, that that he likes. And Donny will be given time, uh, just as Fred was given time. And there's always a player who fans want to see more of. He's a player where, who, who fans are saying he's good. And I, I can definitely see his qualities. He's, he's an intelligent, tidy footballer. Do I think he's the next Roy Keane? No, but then he wasn't bought to be the next... Roy Keane but in terms of his influence over the team but I've always said if he bides his time he'll get his chances but he does need to have a good run of matches because when I've seen him play recently he's been a 6 out of 10 player there's a lot of players where there's huge room for improvement lots of players who can be more consistent than they are being would you say Martial's having a great season or Greenwood Um, I wouldn't Rashford's having a a good season but there's games where he, he drops right out Cavani is a man people are talking about at the moment, but his season has been an interrupted one. So we spoke about Luke Shaw on this podcast. He's doing really well. I think it's really encouraging that we can look around the team and see 
that there are players who know they can do even better. And if they can all click, wow, we're going to have one hell of a team. The lad deserves chances. He didn't, he, when United signed him, they didn't say to him, you've been brought here to be, to be a substitute. But when he gets his chances, he's got to take them and he will need a little bit of time. And finally, on this point, I spoke to Stephen Pienaar. Stephen went from Ajax to Everton, but he said to me, the crucial thing was going to Germany first. He said he would have really struggled going from Ajax to the Premier League. And that's a man who thrived in the Premier League, speaking from experience. And that's a man who I called two days after Donny van der Beek signed. He knows Donny very well. Stephen's a coach at Ajax. And his overriding message, when everyone was getting carried away, saying this is a guy who started against Real Madrid, was be patient, it will take time. And I'm more inclined to listen to that judgment than someone who's just super excited because he's, he's, he's a young new player from a, a very good club. It will take time. Uh, I think he's a clever player. He's got a little tendency to mark the space rather than the man. So every now and again against Liverpool, it looked as if he was bypassed those easily, where I think what he was trying to do was cover some space. But uh, I expect Donny van der Beek to be a success either towards the end of this season or next season. Uh, I am going to quickly smooth over the fact that you said Paul Pogba's happy and might stay because I know that's just going to start travelling around <laughs> the interwebs. So in sense, that's why so I was <laughs> going to pick him up on Carl. <laughs> I can't believe you've said that. I'll repeat it clearly. He's happy and he's enjoying his football and he's playing well and his confidence is up and that has not always been the case. So the longer that continues, the more likely he is to stay at Manchester United. Do you mean stay at United you know, for the rest of his contract or do you think, I know we've been here before, we've, we've oscillated between his, he could sign a new contract, he could leave, he, you know, he could see out his contract and go on a free, but do you mean stay, you know, just for one more year until his contract's expired or do you mean for longer? There's been no talk to Paul about a new contract. I think he'd be amenable. Uh, I think he's enjoying his football now. I think the dream which he was sold when he came from Juventus in 2016 didn't measure up. The players who he was told would come in around him didn't quite happen. So obviously, United wanted Lukaku to be a big success. It didn't quite happen. People didn't think that Jose Mourinho would be moving on and Paul had a, a at times a test relationship with him, but he's enjoying his football now. And I think that's pretty clear. And I think his inclination to leave and throw in other factors from the other side, where would have Paul Pogba have gone to? Barcelona don't have money. Real Madrid don't have the type of money that they used to have. Paul Pogba has not been the best player in the world. There's not the demand for his services that there was four years ago. So it's all right, Paul saying he's happy. And you know, I want to stay at one of the biggest clubs in the world. I think David De Gea, there was a little bit of that with him. Well, you know, that's I'm happy what I'm thinking here, I'm happy of. here. Exactly, exactly. The grass might be greener, but actually no one's going to come close to paying what Manchester United are paying me. But think where we were with Pogba at the start of December. I, I don't think you could find many United fans who A, expected him to stay or B, wanted him to stay. And he's still got to do a lot to win back the trust of a lot of supporters, but he's doing it. He's playing really well. We've been on this roller coaster so many times that just when you're at the bottom point thinking, do one, go, go now, things start picking up for him a bit. I also feel that finally his, his, his agent probably realises that his comments at the start of December were at best ill-timed and, and at worst panicky. 
Well, that's a crucial point, I think, because how do you come back from the, the you know his agent saying it's over at United? You know, does he have to? I know he you know he released something on Instagram where he said I'm you know 100 percent or was it a thousand percent committed to United? And you know he's obviously shown that, but to to come back from such a, a badly timed and sort of unequivocal statement from his agent is is there anything that needs to be done there just to kind of to smooth that over? I think his agent wouldn't have said those comments again. I think one thing that will win people over is his performances on the pitch. It's all about results and it's not just individual, it's the same for the team. We can smile and laugh along about Oli Gunnar. We won't be doing that if United have just lost six matches. When he's playing well, then Manchester United will be more inclined to talk contracts with him, to consider opening contract negotiations with him. He's got a good relationship with Oli and that goes right back to 2009 when he joined the club. Paul didn't speak English. Oli was a coach there. And that's a deep relationship. It's a deeper relationship than he's had in any coach in his entire career. So there's lots of positives there. And I'm not going to say that he didn't want to leave because we all thought with good reason that he wanted to leave. And nor am I going to say that he's absolutely going to be playing for Manchester United in a year's time or in two years' time because as we've seen in the last six weeks, the situation can change. But the outlook for Paul Pogba is brighter now than it has been for a long time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Now, you've mentioned contracts and you mentioned signings. So let's have a little transfer section. Laurie, which superstars coming this January? No, I'm joking. Uh, do, <laughs> do you have any news? You sound like potential- all my mates. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of text messages I get. They're always texting me. Giallo? Mm. Giallo? Giallo? Um, no, Giallo, I think. <laughs> let, me, let it be said on this podcast, uh, what I say in the Q&As a lot. Let Diallo sort out his home Wi-Fi and figure out what day the bins go out first. And then we can talk about when he's going to get a start. Like, do you know anything regarding ingoings and outgoings at Manchester United at this point in time? Um, you've, you've set me up there to say no and, and expose <laughs> myself as being woefully uh, in, inadequate with, with sources. Um, well, I had a little item in David Ornstein's column uh, this week just on um, Fecundo Palistri in terms of potential loans, um, because I think it is a an area that they're looking at how to best, you know, get his development, you know, kickstarted because he's he's done well for the under twenty threes. But there's an issue in terms of away games where he has to travel down separately. Um, you know, if he does play, so a lot of the time he hasn't done that. Um, so he didn't do that uh, last week at Leicester. Um, and I think United are sort of looking at the situation, thinking, is there a way we can get him regular competitive games at a good league? Um, you know, that will you know help his development for the second half of the season. That being said, I don't think they look at the championship as a as a, as a sort of right move for him as, as the best suiting um, sort of path for him, just because of the kind of you know he's only four months in 
going to be in England anyway. So sort of send him out then again um, to a sort of another alien environment might be a bit difficult. So, so I think that's why they're looking at, you know, continental Europe. La Liga is obviously it would be a, an ideal situation and, and Celta Vigo have registered an interest with him, uh, with the club over him, um, you know, the Spanish speaking uh, mother tongue that he's got. Um, and Leon, I think, have also had an interest in him previously. So that, you know, could it could come again for him. But so it's just, it's a live issue really where, you know, I think United are looking at it. It's not to say that he definitely will go out on loan, but it's one that they might, you know, we've yeah. got a few more weeks, haven't we, until the end of the, the January window. So that might be one to um, to look at. But yeah, in terms of sort of first team level, um, I think it's as, as you were really. Um, I know that Jesse Lingard is still one that I think would like to, to go out and, and get regular game time. Um, you know, Marcus Rojo and, and Sergio Romero talks are, are ongoing over what happens with the end of their contract, six months left. Um, do they leave now or in the summer? Um, and in terms of incomings, you know, we've discussed, haven't we, previously, you know, the cover for a right back, but I think that's one for the summer um, and other positions. I think, again, it's, it's looking likely. The, the only things they do now is if something remarkable came up that they were long-term target for the summer anyway, and, and it suddenly transpired that they could do it you know like Bruno um, last January. Facundo wants to play first team football um, you mentioned Celta there's other clubs in Spain as well and obviously the, the Spanish language is, is is a good thing I said I said again right at the start when people were saying and even United were saying he's going straight into the first team squad I said, that's just not what I've been told that's not what I've been told at all in terms of where his game is. Clearly very talented wants to play first team football Jesse Lingard wants to play first team football and not not United, obviously United, that's not going to happen. So they've both got to to move on. And it's about getting the clubs that are interested that can get the deals done, but also about Manchester United and Oli letting them go. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not straightforward either, because if you're Oli, you might think we've got the Europa League, we might have a lot of games coming up. We're still in the Football Association Cup because we knocked out Champions Liverpool 3-2 at Old Trafford. So there's going to be more games there as well. Not that I'd be expecting Jesse to be starting anytime soon, but footballers want to play football and it can help United if these lads go out and play at a decent standard. The football technically in Spain is very, very good. If you look at some of the young United lads who've gone out there, Andreas Pereira had a really good loan at Granada, then that moved on up to sort of Valencia level. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if both of them move, but we're, we're running out of time now, aren't we? I'd be interested to see Pellestri in La Liga. I'd also be slightly more interested to see Pellestri at Lyon and uh, hear what Memphis Depay could tell him about playing for Manchester United's first team. Anyway, subscribers to The Athletic may have seen a discussion we had on the website this morning where we simply asked, has your opinion changed on Igor Solskjaer? As I've just said on this podcast, mine has. I thought I didn't see much of a tactical plan earlier on in the season. Now I'm seeing brand new layers and layers that I find very intriguing. Uh, we've got one comment here from Stephen M that I'm going to read out now, which says, uh, signing Fernandez for sure has helped, but you still have to play him in a way that suits his ability. Players like Shaw, who look like a shadow of himself in the past, are now consistent, reliable performers. And let's not forget, Paul Pogba actually playing a balanced role and doing work on both ends of the pitch. Would another top manager have achieved what Oli has given the circumstances? Uh, I'm going to throw this one to Andy first because he's seen more United managers than I have. I think Ollie's doing a good job and we can what if and what about and say, you know, if, if Allegri or Ancelotti or Guardiola w- would have come in. The, I think the times where Ollie's made obvious mistakes, we've we've pointed it out. We spoke particularly strongly about Fred um, 
uh, against PSG at Old Trafford. And he has made mistakes. All managers made mistakes. But I think he's doing a consistently good job. And I think now when you step back and look at the horrific start to the season, you can see the reasons why. Pogba um, wasn't, wasn't fit and there wasn't a pre-season. So those two reasons were major contributory factors. And he's got a plan. He, the, the plan is there. His recruitment is is decent. We have wobbles. There's times when I think, whoa, Aaron Wambasaka, that shouldn't be happening. Or Dan James, he started really well and then he faded badly. But Bruno was the masterstroke. He completely changed Manchester United. The other players around him had to raise their game. The form's picked up massively. Going over a year unbeaten away from home is, is incredible. But United still haven't won anything under Oli. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that goes on. There will be not unreasonable criticisms because it is Manchester United. It's all right saying, wow, underdogs Manchester United. I think United have still got the biggest wage bill in the Premier League. So United should be achieving. I love this comeback spirit that we're seeing all the time. Don't love it when the games are going on. <laughs> Even when you go behind against Fulham, you think this is ridiculous. This <laughs> this is just... <laughs> you keep your mouth shut and then bang, get in there. <laughs> I will say... Obviously, I'm an objective journalist, so I don't celebrate. Laurie, how are you thinking about Solskjaer and how do you think this season is comparing to last season? Well, actually, you touched on... Uh, you reminded me of a piece that I wrote after the Bournemouth game uh, last season where Josh King scored 1-0 and United never really looked like getting back into it. It was, you know, just sort of Bournemouth were able to see it out pretty comfortably. There was a bit of a rally late on, but it was sort of you know, too, too, too little, too late. And um, I think that was the 11th game where United had gone behind in all competitions and not, you know, mustered a comeback. And obviously now you look at it and was it seven times they've gone behind in the league? I mean, this is all away from home as well to come back to win, but then to do it against Liverpool again, you know, when Salah scored, it, there wasn't a feeling of, right, that's it. That's the game over. It's going to f- follow a familiar pattern. Um, as we have had perhaps previously, um, it, it felt like, okay, this is just the start of what could be an, an engaging game and it, it turned out to be the case. So I think that is something that Solskjaer certainly deserves. That's probably the, the biggest thing I think Solskjaer deserves credit for, the character that is instilled in the team because you do, you, teams don't win stuff without having that. You know, you can be talented individuals, but if there's you know, fraying elements of, of a group, of a squad, then you know, ultimately success will be an oasis in the desert that, that never quite appears. And I think that the fact that you've got this now, this sort of you know personality to the group, I, I keep on banging the drum on that one, but I feel like that is his, that is Solskjaer's biggest achievement uh, because you look at the team that he took over and, and the, the, the mood in the, the camp, you can't, you know, overestimate. Um, you can't sort of undersell how how low it was after after Jose Mourinho, and that's not to sort of necessarily denigrate Jose Mourinho. It's just a, a fact of, of how you know um, low the the the, uh, the general mood was and the morale. So for him to kind of come in, and obviously it's taken time, but I think they're in a really good place now. And uh, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. That clearly, we've you know, I, I've had. I, I feel like I've always been. You know, supportive of Solskjaer as a as an appointment. I don't think you had to. You come into United as having won the Champions League with a with a you know a, a foreign club to, to warrant being Manchester United manager. I think there is certainly something to be said about somebody that understands what the club is about. And clearly, he had done his coaching. He had done his management. You know, he obviously had the disappointment at Cardiff, but he'd done well with Molden. I think that shouldn't be discounted in terms of how he then manages people and how he sets up his teams and, and deals with difficult situations that come at you as a manager that you wouldn't expect. 
when you're a player or a coach. Um, that kind of overarching view of a club that clearly a United manager does have, you know, he's got more autonomy than, you know, a head coach role at other clubs that we see. Um, so I think I've always been, you know, fairly supportive, but there have been moments where you've wondered, where you just sort of slightly thought, is he, is he the guy? But I think all those questions have been answered really. And whatever happens from now, he certainly deserves to be Manchester United manager. And he's, he's done so much to, to progress the club into, into this moment where you've got a first team to be, you know, proud of really. And the academy's, you know, looking good. You've got players that are getting moments and, and uh, you know, bringing players through. And that's always been a pillar of, of, this, of, the, yeah, of the club, obviously, going back to the Busby Babes. So, you know, he's, he's, all these elements, he seems to be knitting together well with, like I say, that overarching view as a, as a Manchester United manager. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, for, for those points that Stephen M, one of our subscribers mentioned, you know, all those points, I think, are, are very valid. The improvement that he's got from certain players as well, you can't overlook. And listen, there probably will be more bumps in, in the road, you know, but then every manager has bumps in the road. You look at Guardiola earlier this season and people were, were wondering, is, is he actually now been found out? You know, has he burnt his players out with his demands? You know, Klopp, obviously, you know, there's not going to be questions really about him just yet, but you could see if they, you know, if they don't get out of this slump, you know, people will perhaps start, you know, just asking a little, you know, does he need to do something different? Does he need to freshen his ideas up? There's always, you know, question scrutiny on managers because of the positions that they're in. Uh, and I don't think any elite manager is, is above that. So Solskjaer clearly is a smart guy, knows what he's talking about, understands football fundamentally. So, you know, and, he, and he's obviously got the club at heart. I don't, I don't think you can um, dismiss that at all. You know, pe- people probably did, you know, use that as a stick to be United with. You know, he's only got the job because he was a, a club legend and, and and sort of saying that that is a, a point where you shouldn't give a guy a job. Well, I don't know. I would, I would disagree on that just because with Solskjaer being... With his with his heritage, with his heritage, with with the things that he's done at United previously. I mean, this is a guy that had a clause in his mould contract so that he could leave for free if United ever gave him the job. That's how much. He- <laughs> That's backing yourself. I'll tell you that for sure. I think what's really interesting about Oli and Oli's tenure is how he always talks about the United DNA and he talks about the great United teams of old. Which sometimes, when United aren't winning, can be a little bit tiresome. But I think when Manchester United are winning and his current state you are beginning to see him take those old influences and, and doing them for the new age. Um, and I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by what he's doing at the moment. And long may it continue. Andy, you spoke to Ollie recently about Indian food. Twice, I hear. Yeah, I spoke to him before the game and after asking him the usual questions that we'd ask him, a, a few quick fire questions, and one of them was Indian Chinese food, and he said Indian. Uh, and then he said chicken korma. And when it went out there, because it was for it was for TV, he got slaughtered for saying chicken korma. Because <laughs> as everyone who knows anything about Indian food knows, it's not really Indian food, is it? That, that's just like a, a dessert with a bit of chicken in it. And <laughs> so after after the game, uh, I spoke to him again and asked him like the proper questions. And then I looked him in the eye and said, you, "You're coming under sustained criticism on social media." And he looked at me like, like. <laughs> and nervous, where's this going? I said, for your choice of Indian food. And he just, whoo, you felt him relax right in front of you. And he started smiling and just said pretty meekly, I don't like spicy food. I'm sorry. I'm happy with korma. And this was all on live TV. And then he walked away as the interview finished. And 
as he walked away back to the dressing rooms, he said the following, I love Chicken Korma and Lamb Rogue and Josh. And uh, <laughs> it just made me laugh. You know, I've done my job. I've spoke to him about the serious stuff. And I think you can, football should have these light moments as well. Clearly, if United would have lost the match, I would have spoke to him about his favourite Indian dish. But he was smiling. Lots of us were smiling after beating Liverpool. And why not? There's a human there, you know. He might. We might talk to him about his tactics, but he's got to eat food, hasn't he? To get energy <laughs> to decide those tactics. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a bit of fun. I will say, I one thing that did surprise me since making the trip up north and covering Manchester United was I did not expect Ollie to be this funny. He does crack quite a few jokes in press conferences and he often replies when you ask my injuries. I don't know. I'm not a doctor in a sort of tongue-in-cheek manner. <laughs> so uh, we'll see in regards to the latest injury possible issue, which is a scan Marcus Rashford has on his knee. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think we are nearing the end of this episode of Talk of the Devils. Before we wrap things up, if you're not already subscriber to The Athletic, then throughout January, you can subscribe for a special discounted price. You can enjoy great analysis on Manchester United and other football teams in the Premier League, the Championship and beyond even some other sports. It's nearly the Super Bowl in the NFL. You can enjoy all of that, as well as ad-free versions of our podcast, all for less than a pound a week. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod. Included in recent Manchester United features, we've got Andy talking about the last time Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was involved in knocking Liverpool out of the Football Association Cup in uh, 1999, which is just a lovely read. Laurie has done a great piece on Luke Shaw and his resurgence. There is no confirmation about his height in that piece, to my disappointment. But there's some really good stuff on why he's got better. Thank you to the comments that you pointed out in the FIFA stats. Uh, Luke Shaw is billed at being five foot nine. No, he's built. He's being billed at being five foot eleven. So this is just going to keep going on and on and on until eventually we get Luke Shaw on the podcast and ask him ourselves. Uh, I recently wrote a piece covering the victory over Liverpool, and we will have pieces throughout the week. Uh, one of them on a uh, certain Manchester United player who's doing really, really well. Other than that, I do want to give a quick mention to Manchester United's women's team who have gone top of the Women's Super League once again with a 2-0 victory over Birmingham City. Uh, goals from Leah Galton and Ella Toon. This was a really comprehensive victory. Uh, it was available on Sunday, uh, one of the early kickoffs. United at the top of the table, three points clear of Chelsea, although Chelsea have two games in hand. They've recently signed 
Uh, Norwegian centre-back Maria Thossis, daughter, uh, my apologies if I got the pronunciation wrong, who I've been assured is a really, really good centre-back, will surely strengthen United's uh, title chase. And it truly is a title chase, both for the men's and the women's team. Thank you so much for joining us, listener. It's a goodbye from Andy. Cheers, Carl. Cheers, Laurie. Thanks for listening, everybody. A goodbye from Laurie. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. And a goodbye from me. Thank you so much for listening to Talk of the Devils. The Athletic.